Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the web at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it'll take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled Why is this happening to me again? That chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. It also contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, please do so by giving us a call at 
999-3581. Once you call that number and press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. And you can also send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if you do that, we will address your comment or question or testimonial or answer on the Internet show. And then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that occurred so that you can listen back to the archive for the feedback or input. And we're greatly appreciative whenever anybody does that because it just makes it so much easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service, and that's just a lot easier to do when we know how these things are landing for you. So it's a Tuesday, and that means we will have a support group offered tonight. Our support groups are Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And they're absolutely free. You can donate if you so choose, but they're free to attend. And the um, all the information you would need to attend is available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And so feel free to go there and or pass that information along to somebody that you feel might benefit from joining us, being aware of that support network which has been ongoing support network now for 19 and a half years on the Tuesday group and um, almost 10 years on the Thursday group. So hopefully that's a little testimonial about how valuable it is. I, I'm, I tend to be rather a results-oriented person in my life and in my therapies, and I wouldn't keep doing it if it didn't provide value uh, for me and others for that length of time. So, MindShiftersAcademy.org has all the information you would need to join us. And in the meantime, let us know how things are landing for you. What's your What's your preference about where we go next in our conversations or our reading of the way of mastery I'm I'm sitting on the edge teetering on the edge going back and rereading lesson 7 or going ahead and reading lesson 8 one of my favorites lesson 8 and 9 in combination I think hold some critical keys and yet, I find myself over the past few days thinking a lot about Lesson 7 and how strongly it calls us to recognize our true nature as love. And it calls us to wake up to the fact that the only thing that's ever blocked our awareness of that is our decision to fear fear. 
this beautiful lesson just calls us to remember that we remain as we were created to be and that you are loved, loving, and lovable forever, that you are the energy of love expressing in form, that you and your creator are one and inseparable, that when you wake up to that truth and allow it to be the source of every thought and and action, then you become this wide-open, clear conduit for the the love of the Creator to express in form. You become the conduit for the Christ mind, as they call it. And then it says, okay, so if any of that's true, if all of that is true, how is it then you ever forget your true nature? How is it that you ever doubt that you're loved, loving, and lovable forever? And the answer is very simple. It's because right before you've struggled to speak your truth or you resist healing some discomfort or physical malady, right before that happened, you decided to fear fear. You decided that something as insignificant as a tiny little shadow cast by a blade of grass on a rock in some mountain valley that's so remote no one ever saw it, that that was going to come and crush you and punish you if you stepped into your true nature and your magnificence. And the lesson summarizes itself as saying, listen, every word in this lesson, every word that's all uttered in this Christ mind pathway has one intent and that is to reveal to you the place within you that actually is the presence of love that you seek. So, with that quick review of Lesson 7, so let's read lesson eight, maybe maybe eight and nine. Lesson eight is titled Dropping Pebbles into the Pool of Awareness. And the text reads, As always, I come forth as your equal to abide with you, to walk with you, to communicate with you. From that capital M mind and that capital H heart, which we eternally share as one, that mind which alone is the reality of our shared sonship, in other words, our offspring-ship, this is not male or female, this is to be from the same source. It is that mind which is the reality of our shared experience and our shared existence as always I come forth in joy and also with humility seeing the highest and best in you and everyone else and choosing to cooperate only with that 
the text goes on and says, for I cannot join with anyone unless they provide the space within their consciousness and they invite me to enter therein. Therefore, understand well that when I come to abide with you, I come with a humility born of the recognition of the great mystery that has given you your existence. That's the mystery that I have called Abba, or Father. Why? Why do we, why do we talk about that? Because you've not come forth from some mechanical, unthinking force. You have come forth from pure intelligence. You have come forth from pure love. You have come forth from a source beyond all comprehension. You have come forth from the radiance of a light so bright that the world cannot see it or contain it. You have come forth from that which alone is eternally real. Because you have come forth from it, you are one with it always. And as I read that and talk about how you have come forth from a source that is beyond all comprehension, it reminds me of a conversation I was just having with a person. And in the conversation, this person was trying to tease out or find a way to talk about reality and how one person's reality can be different than another's. And so we were talking about how you might choose to to use the word actuality for the capital T truth of what's happening and unfolding in life and the word reality for the pictures each of us create and the meanings each of us give those pictures in our own minds. And this person said, well, so does that mean that there's more than one reality going on here? And I said, absolutely. If you have a room with two people in it, there's at least two realities going on, and there's something else going on that's beyond what either of them can comprehend. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, just take a look at what our science already knows. As we sit in a room... We are not able to see the radio waves, the television waves, the ultraviolet, the infrared, the x-rays, the gamma waves that we know are there. Our science tells us it knows these things are here, but we don't see them. So when I look out through my eyes and I think I hear things from my ears and I say, I know what's going on here, this is garbage because there's there are universes of experience that are happening around me that my senses can't register. So what do I do with the fact, the actual knowledge, that my senses only give me access to a tiny fraction 
of what's going on and beyond that that my conscious logical mind can only track a tiny fraction of what my senses are providing so of course it makes sense for me to recognize that my experience the, the pictures my mind is creating the thoughts that I come up with the conclusions that I reach the judgments and perceptions I create are just a tiny tiny fraction of the experience of life that I'm not able to access if I'm just relying on my conscious logical mind so when this says you've come forth from a source beyond all comprehension that's the beginning of it to understand that when you're interacting with life with a, a bug on a tree or a person in a room or a person out in 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 the in the forest with you you're experiencing mystery upon mystery upon mystery that you will never wrap your conscious logical mind all the way around so the text goes on and reads this means that you abide in a relationship you are the created and you're relating to the creator with a capital C you are the offspring or child to the parent and that relationship is so intimate that bond is so deep that it cannot be broken at any time just as a wave that arises from an ocean cannot be separated from the ocean itself so too in each and every moment in your experience do you abide in a union that is so powerful so mysterious so intimate and immediate that the mind cannot comprehend it this union connects you as the created with the mystery beyond comprehension and that mystery contains every drop of wisdom and every intelligence necessary to create consciousness itself consciousness the power to be aware the power to choose consciousness itself is what you truly are if this source this mystery can birth the most fundamental aspect of creation does it not then deserve to be called Abba or father that which means and creates like unto itself can you then begin to feel and to know not just as an intellectual idea but as a lived reality a knowingness that if you are aware in this very moment it is because you are one with the source of all creation and you cannot be separated from it at any way at any time fear as we have said many times is like a contraction again if you were to imagine a wave arising from the ocean and then going into contraction because it thinks it's being separated from its source that contraction literally squeezes lot the life the very flowing waters out of the wave could that wave possibly continue 
when its very life force has been squeezed from it, does it not then become mere drops of water fading from view, only to dissolve back into the ocean itself, its radiance lost, never to be seen again? If it were possible for the wave of your consciousness to truly have its life force squeezed out of it, you too would fade away as droplets returning to the ocean, never to be remembered or seen again. Listen and listen well. That would be death. However, in reality, you are alive always. Even when you have identified yourself with the great constriction that fear is, your fears have never been able to squeeze out of you the great life force, the great reality, and the great gift of awareness. You have, therefore, never ceased to be. There has never been a time that you have not existed, and there will never be a time when you will cease to be. You are, therefore, very much like a wave that has begun to arise out of an unseen ocean. And as it gains momentum, it moves across the surface of a planet. Like the wave, you are in continual movement. Moving where? Into a forever extension of your awareness itself into a forever extension of whatever you choose to pick up along the way and make a part of your capital S self. Into a forever extension that will carry you into the experience or the fruits of the very thoughts you have held on to as your own. Therefore, understand well. Right now, in this lived moment, wherever you are, Whatever you are experiencing, all that you see, all that you feel, all that you know, all that you seek to avoid, and all the things you value and devalue, all of these things are contained within your awareness. For if they were not found there, they do not exist for you at all. Therefore, look upon that which resides within your awareness, within your consciousness. What are the things that you know that you know? What are the things that you would avoid? What are the feelings that you've not explored? What are the objects, the people, the places, the values that you strive for that seem to thrill even the cells of the body? What is the body itself, if not that which arises within your awareness? Look at the planet around you. Look at every object in your room. Look at every thought you choose to think. Look at the perceptions and ideas that you defend so vociferously. Look at the thoughts and the feelings of others that make you cringe or wish to withdraw from them. These things abide within you, like the very power or life force of the wave that has arisen from the ocean. 
all of these things have been picked up along the way. And the way has been very long and varied indeed. If you can imagine never ceasing to exist, it means that you have been as a wave of awareness passing through every time frame, every planetary system, and every dimension of creation. Along the way, one thing has remained constant. You have been in constant relationship with all of creation. Oh, yes, you may select out a few people, a few objects, a planet, a dimension, and focus all of your attention there. Attention is nothing more than the decision of what you're going to use the power of your awareness to focus on. In that moment, it seems that you've excluded everything else. But that is like an optical delusion of consciousness. Just like the same optical delusion of consciousness that Einstein referred to when he said, if you think you're separate or separated from anyone or anything, you're living in an optical delusion. And that delusion of separateness creates a prison for us made based on our special affection for certain people and things closest to us. And Einstein goes on to say, the only way out of that prison is to extend that feeling of specialness, that awareness of connection and valuing to everyone and all of creation. And that's the only way out of the prison. That's the only way out of the optical delusion that is created when we choose to focus our awareness on just a few objects or just a few people, or we choose to say this person is higher value to me than that person. The text goes on and says, while it is very true that you have selected out aspects of creation to focus your attention on, yet underneath it all in the depth of the wave that is unseen by the physical eye, it's unseen by your conscious awareness or your day-to-day -day mind. Through all of that, you have remained in perfect communion with all of creation. You are, therefore, in relationship with all created things, and there is a communication that occurs without ceasing. Imagine being able to look into the air of your planet and to literally see the radio waves, the television waves, and all of the electrical waves that keep bouncing back and forth across your planet. This is what you swim in daily. Your consciousness pervades this field of vibrations. And there are levels and energies and connections that go beyond what even our scientific devices can measure that we're not aware of. I remember talking about David E. Martin and his book, Lizards Eat Butterflies, and he talks about how we have 12 cranial nerves, and we have one cranial nerve for each of the five gross physical senses, sight, sound, 
hearing, taste, and touch. Well, he hasn't left that alone. He's been gathering people around him who want to explore what about the other seven cranial nerves? What are they there for? If five of them are giving us our physical senses, our growth senses, is each of the other seven cranial nerves there to help us tune into other energies, have other experiences that go beyond the simple five or the gross five senses, physical senses? So recently they got together and they were doing some breathing, meditating, experimenting, you know, experiential um, breath work and then ice plunges, etc. And they claim to have mapped out an effect from a trigeminal nerve, one of the other cranial nerves, that has registered on their physical, on their scientific devices, that they were able to measure a change in a person's physiology based on tapping into another sense, another awareness, another level of experience of life that's not limited to the five senses. The text here in Lesson 8 goes on. The title of the next section is, You experience only what you have chosen to create. And the text reads, you are the one who selects out what you're going to be aware of, what you are calling into your lived experience. You select what is going to make an imprint upon you. So I read this and I say, okay, so here's where it comes from. You know, years ago I typed up this thing. I said, I'd like to tell you two things about yourself that you can observe for yourself. They might be true. They're true for most human beings. The first one is you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. And the second one is it is the choice of the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment that actually creates your experience of life in that moment. Well, I came up with that because of reading over and over again things like this from The Way of Mastery in Course in Miracles. You are the one who selects out what you are going to be aware of. You are calling that into your lived experience. You select what is going to make an imprint on you. Imagine then a pool of clear, still water. Into it, you drop a solitary pebble. From the pebble, there radiates out waves. This is what is occurring constantly in the field of your wave of awareness. As you've attracted to yourselves certain persons, places, things, objects, and above all, thoughts, beliefs, and perceptions, you have dropped them like little pebbles into the still clear pool of your vast and eternal awareness. What you experience are the effects or the ripples of those pebbles. They literally join with the other ripples that you have created. And as these ripples move out and touch one another and come back to you, this is the field of creation that makes up your physical third-dimensional reality. You are, therefore, 
never experiencing anything except what you have chosen to create through your selection of the pebbles that you have dropped into the field of your awareness. You literally never experience a solitary thing. You do not experience objects. What you experience is the effect of a thought or a belief in objects. You never experience another person, for they are also made up of a whole web of vibrations. You could say that each person, each object, is really a field of relationships, unique and seemingly different from you, but a web of relationships nonetheless. For what child can be separated from their parents, from the cultural background, from the unique experiences that they have as they've interacted with the other webs of relationship that have been around them since the moment of their conception? What kitten can be separated and singled out from the matrix of its mother and father? What leaf on a tree is separate from the temperature of the air, the quality of the water, and the nutrients that come to it from the very soil of the earth? Everything is a web of relationship. All webs are in relationship with all other webs, and they become grander and grander and grander, ad infinitum. You are a web of relationships out of which you have selected certain pebbles. Whether those pebbles be thoughts or perceptions or experiences. And then you've dropped them into the still clear pool of your awareness in order to create even more ripples. And then you've chosen which ones will be of the greatest value for you. These you lock into your being and they become your emotional field. The emotional field is the first level of crystallization of the body. From the emotional field, a further crystallation creates the appearance of a physical form. It is that which you push around the planet in your very temporary, third-dimensional form of attention, while all around you, and just beneath the level of your conscious daily awareness, you remain in communication with all webs of relationship throughout all dimensions of creation. It is for this reason that an inspiring thought can come suddenly to you and penetrate your daily awareness, and you wonder, hmm, where did that thought come from? Suddenly, a picture appears in your mind. It could be anything a man and a woman making love, a man and a man making love, a child playing in a park, a dolphin, or a picture of conflict or war, where did that come from? Because you live in perfect communication and you are like a grand field of energy in which all webs of relationship are reverberating constantly, you actually have access to the complete entirety of creation. And this entirety of creation, 
is not limited to what is occurring now as you understand time. You have available to yourself everything which you would call past and future. These things are available to you at all times. There is not one of you who has not experienced this for yourself. Perhaps you suddenly thought of a friend, and then the telephone rang, and you knew it was that friend. That makes no sense in your causal third-dimensional plane. However, because underneath, even though your conscious mind was busy making breakfast and wondering about which stocks to buy and sell or which perfume to put on the body, you still remain in perfect communion. It is why when there is a deep resonance between friends, even if they're separated by thousands of miles, all of a sudden you know that they need to call you. You feel a sense of concern. Maybe they just stub their toe, but you pick up the vibration. You all live this. You all know this. There is no secret about it. What I would seek then to attract to your attention is one of the pebbles that has been dropped into the field of your awareness. And this is generally true for virtually everyone involved in the third dimensional experience that we call physicality. Imagine a sentence being dropped from a vast height, picking up speed until it strikes the still clear pool of your awareness, and it sends out a ripple creating a vibration through you. The sentence is simply this, quote, It is not possible for me to have complete mastery over which pebbles are dropped into my awareness, for I am at the mercy of the vibrational field set up by the ripples of all the thoughts and webs of relationship in which I swim constantly. Close quotes. That perception is absolutely true, as long as you choose to believe it. That perception or belief is absolutely laughable and powerless as soon as you choose to acknowledge that this is so. So what's the point of it? It's simply this. If you would choose to awaken completely and totally, if you would choose not to just be a wave that has mysteriously risen from the ocean, if you would choose to be more than just another soul that has arisen from the mind of the Creator and is somehow now crashing about through the universe, if you would choose that, it is absolutely necessary to own as your own, the pebble that drops into the still clear pool of your awareness with this following thought, quote, I am the one who chooses the effects I experience. I alone interpret all natural relationships, neutral relationships or experiences. I alone place value upon objects, things, thoughts, and belief systems. I alone am the literal creator of my moment-to-moment experience. Close quotes. This, as you can see, changes everything.
Never again can you allow yourself to feel as though you are merely a victim of unconscious forces. Never again can you look out beyond yourself and find fault with another. Never again can the energy of blame be projected from you to be dumped upon another. Never again can the energy of judgment hold sway in your mind. It might arise, as we've talked about, it's been programmed for decades that the automatic decision-making process in your brain can kick in, and yet you do not need to act upon it. You do not need to give it control of your mind. This thought, this one singular pebble dropped into the still clear pool of your awareness is absolutely essential if you would decide to awaken completely and totally. And that is what this lesson is about. The next section is titled, You Are Not a Victim of the World You See. The text reads, Though you would hear the word, that which carries the vibration of truth, and you would hear it many times, you can deny it as many times as it's been heard. You can choose to not follow and allow it to settle deep into the pool of your awareness. You can choose that it will not have the effects on every drop of water that it makes up the wave that you are. You can hold on to the hope that you are still a victim of the world that you see. You can hope that events hold some value in themselves that do not come from what you have placed upon them. And as long as you choose to deny the world, you cannot be set free. For the mind that chooses, in even a small part, to perceive itself as a victim of its world, of its experiences, that mind remains powerless. It remains in a state that generates frustration, weakness, fear, self-doubt, unworthiness, suffering, pain, emotional pain of aloneness or separation from others, and lack of fulfillment. Ultimately, that mind generates the echo of the belief that you have been squeezed so tightly by fear that you're literally separated from the ocean of the mind of the Creator. But that's just a perception that's created. Awareness is all that you have and all that you are. Out of your use of it comes all that you choose to experience. And out of that comes your decision of how you will experience what you have called to yourself. In truth, and please listen well, in truth, no experience you've ever had has defined you or identified you. No experience you have ever chosen to create, to call to yourself, and then to value as you valued it, none of those has ever made you higher than or less than anyone else. Not even me, Yeshua. Although there are many who still need to believe that I am far beyond them. No experience you have ever had 
has proven your unworthiness to be supported and to be loved by your Creator. Therefore, you remain as you are created to be, a wave filled with the very self-same power as the ocean itself, a wave, a soul, a web of relationship arising from the holy mind of the Creator with the momentum to flow on forever, with the freedom to create by deciding which vibrations you will allow to settle in and become a part of you, which thoughts you will defend, which perceptions you will cleave unto. You are then eternally a creator. And this is the one thing that you have no free will about. You can never decide to be a non-participant in the very mystery of creation's extension. When you hold the thought, quote, I refuse to participate in, in the God's creation, close quotes, you have literally created the perception, the experience of yourself as being outside or separate from creation itself. You have created the insane emotion of trying to separate the wave from the ocean itself. And you will create the perception of separation, even though in reality nothing has been affected. Why is this important? Because, you see, the process of healing is not difficult. It requires only your willingness to accept that you are the effect of the Creator's desire to create like unto itself, just as a wave is the effect of the ocean's desire to express itself in a new way, in a new form, and to bring the uniqueness to every wave that arises from its mysterious depths. Surrender, then, is the process in which you finally relent. You give up resisting the fact of your very existence. You stop whining about it. You stop lamenting it. You stop worrying about it. And you make the decision to get on with being alive. And what is alive about you is going to be alive forever. There is no place to hide and nowhere to go. So that's what I'm going to read so far today on Lesson 8. We had somebody arrive in the chat room and report, I spent a lot of time working through cognitive behavioral therapy and holistic approach to recovery from PTSD and alcoholism. The most difficult thing for me was meditation because I despised my self-talk and thoughts. After a while, I found out I was listening to a liar and a deceiver, and then love and forgiveness came into my conversation and conscience. A spirit of comfort now exists with me. Well, congratulations. That's exactly what so many of us are trying to get across to people. Sometimes people say, well, why would I listen to this positive self-talk that says everything's going to be great? And I don't know, but why do you listen to all the negative self-talk? Most of us... This comes from the We Can Do Hard Things podcast where they interviewed Liz Gilbert and her practice of writing herself a letter from unconditional love. 
and then the practical minds and the, the brilliant minds come in and say, well, what, well, that's ridiculous. How could unconditional love write her a letter? Why, why would she listen to what her own hand is writing when it's read, reading to her or writing to her that she's loved and she's whole and complete and that her life is going to move forward beautifully and that everything is falling together? Why would I believe that? Well, that's a good question. It's also a good question, why would I believe the thoughts that I'm a jerk and I'm an idiot and I have less value than any other human being? And So we're always listening. We're always, whether we realize it or not, believing these messages. And this kind of work calls us to choose to believe the bigger picture message the love message. So, our number is 563-999-3581. Call that number, press 1 on your phone. We can have a conversation. What kinds of pebbles are you dropping into the still clear pool of your awareness and thereby creating your tomorrows today? Because as this work talks about, just like a pebble dropped into a pool of water sends out ripples, the thoughts that you choose, the beliefs you cling to, send out ripples and they bounce off of what we call reality or what some would call the quantum potential and they solidify from the quantum potential energies, images, experiences that are in resonance with the energies you're sending out. And so as I choose my thoughts and my beliefs, I'm choosing what's going to come back at me. And unlike karma or the idea that what I've chosen in the past is going to make me a victim in the future, Unlike that, this work is going to tell us, especially again in Lesson 9, that you are always free to choose how to interpret and respond to these energies that come back to you. And you, at no time are you a victim. Even if you spent decades choosing negative thoughts, negative beliefs, negative behavior patterns, yeah, the ripple effects of that are going to come back to you. But in the next moment, as they come back to you, you, you are absolutely free to see it as nothing but waves of energy and to choose to interpret it as simply feedback about how and why and where you might choose to focus your energy in the next moment. So we've got about... Um, Eight minutes left for comments or questions. How's it landing for you? 563-999-3581. Call that number. Press 1 on your phone. Let us know how it's sitting for you to start the Way of Mastery Lesson 8 today. Area code 314. You're in the air. Hello, I was, uh, this is Doug. Hi, Dr. Tim. Um, 
Hello, Doug. I Long was, time no here. I was, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about our relationship to God before the calling in today for the first time in some time. I've been pretty busy with family and stuff, and um, I was thinking about the relationship with God and prayer and and uh, the authority of some outer being or force, and then and then I listened to this, and it's just it's the thoughts I was having before. It's like you know, I think that we're like a fish in water, and we're trying to relate to the water, and we're trying to identify the water as the authority in our life. And and I by that I mean the water in us that make up us as a fish, and the water outside of us. And then I listen to this, and it's like, it just, I don't know. My mind is just trying to wrap itself around, because when I listen to this, I hear, inevitably I hear that we are the sole authority of our life, that we are responsible for everything we hear, see, feel, feel, create, every pebble, every, you know, experience. And it's, it's just a point of, I guess, frictional growth <laughs> for me to try and sort that out. So, Did you say frictional growth? Yes, that's that's the word that came to me. Like, I'm trying growth to sort is out caused that by the friction? The friction of the conflict of the ideas or the transition of ideas or the, you know, I've got this one idea that God's out there um, and that the way for me to... To relate is to pray and say, well, what should I do? You guide me. You tell me what to do. And then and then the ideas that I get out of this reading today, which is more like, more like <clears throat> God is just, life is just whatever you make it. You know, it's like well, you know, you're the when, when you first started this, and and you said uh, something about the relationship, your your relationship with God, and you're thinking about your relationship with God. The voice in yes. my head said, "Oh, you mean you were thinking about your relationship with all of creation?" And then, <laughs> well, yes, and 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 then you said, kind of like a fish that decides what kind of relationship it's going to have with water, the water outside of itself, the water inside of itself that makes itself makes up a fish, etc. And I thought, oh, he's right on it. That when you decide to put your creator outside of you as separate, you're going against the core of this teaching. It says over and over again, you remain as you were created to be. You've never left your source. You can't be separated from your source. When you're praying to a God outside of you, it's just the 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 fruit of the false belief in the dream of separation. <laughs> Eloquently spoken, yeah. And that's what I mean by the frictional tension of those ideologies. You know, it's like the one I grew up with, the one that I've always sort of had. It's God's out there. There's an authority out there. There's a, somebody else who's going to be telling me what to do. You know, or my job is just to 
to pray and listen and be submissive. Uh, the, the separational kind of thing versus, okay, I am <laughs> totally creating my experience, period. You know, it's just, even even that, even if I create that, I'm creating that. So, so it's like I could choose to create a God outside of me that, that I listen to, or I could choose to just be that which I am and recognize I'm responsible for it. I'm trying to squirt that out. And and, and what you said was helpful. <laughs> well, I, I think what I said is just what you said. I, I think you're I think you're there. I think you're starting to get the idea that we've all been taught a lot of very unhealthy, unuseful things about separation. And most, if not all, the great spiritual teachings have at their root thoughts and techniques to help us wake up to the false nature of that dream of separation. So, so like the old the way of thinking that says. Like like I was at church yesterday, and and everybody is singing about the king, and you know, like it's I, I feel a connection, you know, when I when I'm there, I, I I went with my family, and I you know I like it, I like the experience, but it, but it's 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 helpful for me in some ways, but it's also it just I think that what I'm saying is there's an inner conflict between these different ideologies, these different ways of seeing life. And I'm in that churn, and it's just trying to sort that through because some part of me understands that that what I am is what I choose to make my experience, and then another part of me feels this other way that I've always felt like I need to pray and ask somebody else to help me. And it, it's confusing, I guess, which is the state of girl. Okay, well, that's 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 good. Michael Rice would probably say something like, "Remember, please remember that confusion is one of the signs of healing, physical, mental, and emotional signs of healing." Right, and confusion is part of that. I just I would like to point out one thing because you said the word king. Yeah, they have that, to be that, singing just, that just, way. But just, just, I just want to point out this one thing because we're running out of time. Got to make a handoff here for Jimmy. But what popped into my head when you said King is, what deep, true spiritual teacher do you ever know that came in riches and crowns and thrones? And exerted power over the the multitudes. What what true spiritual teacher ever said anything about I'm better than you? I love that. Can you name a yeah. few of them? No. Well, no, no true, no true one at all. Every false. Yeah, I, I I I can't I can't imagine. I'm I'm thinking you know Buddha didn't do it. Yeshua didn't do yep. it, Krishna didn't do it, etc. So, you know, I just just that whole Quite thing the about it. 
the the insanity of us as humans giving the power over to one or two people the king the queen the prince the insanity of it and if you can start to just take a look at that insanity and then notice if it's an insane thought pattern it can't make any sense transported or transferred over to a, a spiritual or religious tradition either so thank you for the call Great. and the thoughts thank you. Uh, thank it's good you. to hear thank your you. voice again it's been a long time I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour I'll remind us all that we come from love we're made of the stuff we call love we actually are love and everything else is false and I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate that. You're very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. Today is Tuesday, January the 23rd, 2024. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. Now, yesterday was going to be day six of the Enlightenment study, but we had so many callers call in and ask questions on the forgiveness process that we didn't actually get around to the book yesterday. But uh, Michael's already got a plan for what he wants to start when um, on the show today. Uh, we are, I will remind everybody, that we are running live on both Podbeam and blog talk so if you know you're in one of the other countries like Sweden or Poland or somewhere you can connect through the Podbeam app and it won't cost you anything to talk to us and Michael's with us now so I'm going to say welcome Michael and we do have a couple hands up before you get started on your plan awesome thank you sweetie and welcome everybody let's go ahead and talk to the hands all right. Um, I believe this one is Susan six one zero. You're on the air. Just checking in to see how you're doing, Michael. With your what happened yesterday? I'm doing well, actually. Planning to uh, talk more about uh, the issue of death today, and so oh we'll see how that unfolds. How are you doing? I'm extremely tired, but there are reasons. I won't go into them. It's okay. All is well. Spent a lot of time up with my sister. She had to have an operation, and I was running her around to the hospital and various places. Um, then doing the refugees. So I, I'm, I'm not enough over this bug to be doing that much. <laughs> so, Well, take care of you. Yep, doing it. But I hate to miss any thanks. You've got your plan, so go for it, and I'll be listening. All right, we'll do it. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. The other hand, I believe, is Doug, and I believe that he had talked with Dr. Tim, but I'll turn on his microphone just in case he wasn't finished. Doug, you're on. Hey, hi. Yeah, I, I was I was just kind of talking to Dr. Tim right at the end for a little bit. I'm I'm 
I don't think I have anything right at the moment to say. <laughs> cool. Other than well, hello. hello, Doug. Grateful to hear from you guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Blessing. Good to hear your voice. All right. Take care. You too. It's all yours. Take it away. All right. And you might adjust your microphone just a little because you're breathing in it. Okay. How's that? Is that better? Yes. Sensitive microphone. Well, welcome, everybody. Delighted that you're here. And um, for those who might not have been on the show yesterday, I shared that uh, yesterday morning my sister, who was 80, uh, because of uh, uh, a severe deterioration in a lot of suffering, opted to do physician-assisted suicide and did that yesterday morning. And we got the uh, privilege of getting to be with her during that process. And I've heard from several people since yesterday, one with condolences and appreciate you holding the space, and and two, just addressing the whole issue of death. And I'd like to reinforce the idea that because the, one, that we're not physical bodies, that we're energetic beings, and two, that because the body goes doesn't mean we're gone. Yes, our vehicle of expression in this world has disappeared, but the truth is we are beings far, far beyond the physical, far beyond the instrument. And we need to, I think, undo, forgive those misunderstandings and those trauma and trauma-based energies that have been passed down for generations and generations and have you know, pretty much taken over the world in terms of death. My My offering is that when people are in pain and suffering, like any other pain or suffering, they're experiencing something inside of them. And to blame death for that is no different than, you know, saying I'm angry because Joe did this. You're not angry because Joe did this. You're angry because there's anger in you. And when you can own that, you can start to move through and start to let go of that anger. You're not sad or lonely or feeling lost because someone passed away. You're sad or lonely or feeling lost or disturbed because, one, there are unresolved energies with that person who's passed away, and, two, you have unresolved thought disorders about death and about life. And so we can play this game. You Remember, our, our cycle downward out of conscious awareness starts with denial, Speaking or thinking that something outside of us is the cause of what's moving inside of us. And when we do speak that, you made me angry. You know, the real reason why anybody is angry at any time is because there is anger in them. A goal that they've loaded in their mind is frustrated by themselves or someone else is not fulfilled. That goal resonates anger when it's not fulfilled and we project that anger into our brain's image of whoever it is, whether it's ourselves or someone else, that didn't fulfill the goal. And so to say, Joe made me mad, is to dissociate from the cause of my anger. 
to say death hurt me is to dissociate from the cause of my hurt. And so one of the things we do on a monthly basis is we have the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Club where once a month we get together with a group on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock and Sunday morning at 11 Eastern time. And the group is just growing so strong. The processing, the support that's happening in it is awesome. If you're ready to take your work to the next level, you might want to think about joining that group. But one of the things that uh, that we do is part and parcel of the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Group is the Mind Shifter process. And we have what we call the ever-expanding Mind Shifter list. We're up as of this month to 21 sections of mind shifters, each with 13 mind shifters in it. One of those sections is on healing death. And so with the responses that I got yesterday, I felt like it was appropriate to go through those mind shifters and look at some other ways of thinking other than through pain and trauma when someone happens to leave their physical form. When we had the blessing of of being with Jeannie's dad as he passed and the sacredness of the energy in the room and the sweetness of the energy in the room, there's, there's a whole, if we're in actuality, and this is true of virtually every moment of our lives, if we're in actuality, rather than substituting the constructs of our mind, that are nothing more than reflections of past energetic patterns in our culture, in our family system that we're carrying inside of us, if we're actually in the moment, there's a whole different experience available with virtually everything, including death. And you remember the mind shifter is a tool that we teach that recognizes that the mind operates via resonance. And the law of resonance says when two energy fields are in tune or in harmony with each other, there's an exchange of information between them, resonance. So if I say don't think about the color of your car, and then through resonance, brain cells fire and something about the color of your car moves. Even if you're one of those wise guys, and I've had this happen in workshops before, I say don't think about the color of your car. And somebody says, well, I'm not thinking about it. Well, really, in order not to think about it, what did you have to think about? What had to move in your mind? There's no avoiding resonance. It's the way the mind works. And so these 21 different sets of mind shifters, each is topical. We go through different topics. And the idea of the mind shifter is to give you a thought that will resonate something that you need to process through in your mind in order to be free of carbon-based memories, constructs out of the past. And so if any of these mind shifters happen to ring true for you or resonate for you, I'd suggest that you, uh, you put the pen to the paper. And the way that a mind shifter is used, some people call them affirmations, except that my definition of an affirmation is taking a thought... I don't believe, and that isn't true for me, and pretending that it is, trying to force it into existence. That's what people do with affirmations. And because the mind works by resonance, using a wonderful affirmation around an issue that you have some 
unconscious hidden energy about means that unconscious hidden energy resonates and what resonates in your unconscious is what ends up creating the circumstances and the issues in your life. You know, back to Yeshua, he says, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. And that word heart there in our modern updated language would be the unconscious. So if you have the example I use in our um, prosperity, our, our workshop that's based in on creating consciously, is if I affirm money, 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 I have abundance and wealth, but in my mind, in my file on abundance and wealth, I have poverty, then by affirming that, I resonate poverty and create more of it. So we shift out of using <clears throat> affirmations into taking the very same thought and turning it into a mind shifter and using it as a catalyst to resonate what's in my mind that perhaps I've hidden from myself. And when I do that, basically you take a mind shifter and you write it, you split the page in two, and on the left-hand side of the page you write the mind shifter. <clears throat> Pardon me. And then on the right-hand side you write all of your mind's responses to it. You just kind of do a brain dump. No censoring, just let things rip. Let your mind just go through whatever resonates. And so the person who has a thought disorder around abundance, who affirms abundance, if the thought disorder, you know, the example that I use in that particular workshop is, as this kid's writing his mind shifter, he comes up with the memory that, you know, his, his mind shifter about abundance, he comes up with the memory of mom and dad having a big fight when he was a kid and dad leaving and never seeing him again. And so he starts to realize that, Ah, relationships and money are conflicted. And so being aware of that, I can now go to work in the thought disorders and clean that part of my mind up. So these mind shifters, and I'm just going to kind of read through them, and if you have any thoughts, questions, hit one. Let's talk about it. But just to put forward a series of thoughts that may resonate for you some things about death, that perhaps you need to look at. Perhaps it would be good to forgive and remembering that forgiveness doesn't mean I'm going to let you off the hook for what's moving inside of me. Forgiveness means if there's something untoward moving inside of me, I want to utilize the tool of forgiveness to go inside myself, access that which is moving in me directly, and remove it rather than blame somebody else for it. So here are some of the mind shifters from the section on healing death in the ever-expanding mind shifters list. So the first one is, death is a safe and healing transition for me and those I care for to experience. Now, of course, most people's minds would say, what do you mean safe? What do you mean healing to die? That's crazy. And that's the idea of a mind shifter. So if, if that's what comes up in a mind, then we'd invite that mind to start writing what's on the right-hand side of the page. Well, death isn't healing. Death is the end of life. Well, death means it's over. Death means that I've lost everything. You know, what are all the thoughts there? And the idea is just to do a brain dump and take a look at 
what thoughts are there in your mind based in hostility or fear around death? And then determine what tools you're going to use to heal those thought disorders, to remove those energies based in hostility or fear. Ultimately, my offering is that every thought that we hold in our structure ideally would be a thought that comes from is connected to and supports us experiencing ourselves as love. And so if any of these thoughts resonate something for you other than love, then my invitation would be take a pen, make a note, write the mind shifter down, spend some time with it. If you're working on a really serious issue, I suggest two, three, maybe even four hours of writing where you don't censor your thoughts at all, you just write and you just let yourself, everything that comes, you want to jot down on that page. And then when you complete the mind shifter, then you go back and you start looking at what what came up. Oh, I didn't realize that I had that kind of thought in my mind. Oh, I think I've got some forgiveness work to do around that one. Oh, I didn't realize this was connected in with Bill. I think I'll call Bill and work through this, do some responsibility communication. So so once you've dumped your unconscious thoughts out on the page, done a full brain dump, then you look at what tools are you going to use to clean that up. Because when the frequency of death becomes the strongest resonance in you, you're going to die. And when you want to do your resonance with death, you can put an end to that. And you say, Michael, that sounds, you know, nobody's ever done that. That's crazy. You can't do that. Well, I happen to trust the teachings of a man that 2,000 years ago walked through and out the other side, came through death unscathed. And then he said, and before I give the quote, let's, let's look at the key word. He says, to those that overcome. Now, my offering would be, in the context of this conversation around mind shifters, is overcoming would look like forgiving everything that resonates in you around any given thought. So here's what Yeshua says. To he or she that overcomes, they will not taste of the second death. They will become a pillar in the temple and shall go no more. What's a pillar in the temple? Obviously, a pillar is a fixture. The temple is this body mind you. This is about what's going on inside of us. We'll become a pillar and shall go out no more. And I'm not talking theology here. I'm talking about the actuality that you and I aren't designed for death. I and mean, we have records of people who are living seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand years. And we say, oh, well, you know, that's that they were measuring time differently. No, they weren't. And if we went prior to that, we'd find that my offering would be people weren't dying. We're not designed. My offering is energy is eternal. I'm bringing this from the point of view of my physics training. Energy is eternal. It can neither be created nor destroyed. The only thing that could be changed about energy is the state of its organization. You don't have a body, you have an energy field. Listen once again to Einstein. On such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, 
energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses, there is no matter. Einstein says, matter doesn't exist. So if matter doesn't exist, what do you have? You have a structure made of energy. Your eye creates a picture that looks like a body, so you believe it's this solid physical thing. And people say, well, of course it's solid. Look, I just clapped my hands together, and they stop each other. They must be solid. Well, if you understand resonance and energy, you would understand that your hands are resonating energy fields, and because they are in the same atomic magnetic range, they look solid to each other. But if you made your left hand, just do a thought experiment with me. Imagine that you make your left hand out of radio waves and you go to clap your hands together. What happens? The hand made out of radio waves passes right through the other hand. There's nothing solid in the other hand. It's mostly space. Energy moving in a way that the eye interprets as solid, but there's nothing solid there. And so when you realize that it's energy, this state of organization is rarely permanent because people are continuously engaging in energies that are not supportive of the integrated state of the form. Interestingly, going back to the Aramaic, the word that describes putting an energy into your structure or any structure that doesn't belong in that structure is called sin. Remembering that sin is an archery, and you miss the bullseye, the scorekeeper yelled sin, which simply meant you're off the mark. You've missed the bullseye. If I overcome the quote-unquote sin, the energies that are off the mark, that are causing my energy field to deteriorate and appear to die, what Yeshua says, if I do that work, overcome that energy that's off the mark, then I don't die, shall not taste of death, but become a pillar in the temple of my God, and shall go out no more. In other words, you don't have to kill another body. That would be my offering of that. So if any of these thoughts bring up something for you to look at, then I invite you to mark it down and put it to work. So that's the first one, death. Is a safe and healing transition for me and those I care for to experience. Second mind shifter out of our list of 13 is death is a fantasy created from thought disorders tied to fear and or hostility. So if we have a device that's made to incarnate human life, which I'd offer is love, if you hold a newborn, tap into the newborn, you know what human life is, your energy field, your so-called body, is designed to house, to integrate, to be a space of expression for that love. If we buy into thought disorders, and there are plenty of them, if you just you know, sit in front of the TV for a few hours and notice the thought disorders that come charging out of that microphone. So this appearance we call death is actually a fantasy. Remember we talked at the beginning as we're talking about the Aramaic delineating between fantasies and actuality. What's true in the actual world as opposed to what kind of fantasies do we create with our minds? My offering is death is a fantasy. 
Well, somebody says, I'm not much of a fantasy. There's a dead body over there. Okay, I hear you. And it's a result of a fantasy engaged in out of hostility or fear. And if I choose to do the work required to undo the hostility and fear-based mind energy that has literally, and for me, this is a choice I made many years ago, was a request to be shown how to access, face, and undo every bit of mind energy that has ever contributed to the death of anyone in my bloodline. My father, my mother, my grandparents, their parents, their parents, aunts, uncles. Am I willing to face those thought disorders and resolve them, forgive them? Third mind shifter in this particular group, healing all generational voices in me that cry out for vengeance or punishment heals death. You'll notice how deep the desire in our culture is by many people. I mean, just listen to the politics lately and hear the vengeance that's out there. In fact, people say, I am your vengeance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you. Guess what? Those are the energetic patterns that kill people when they put them into their structures. So I'm willing to look here with this mind shifter, healing all generational voices in me that cry out for vengeance or punishment heals death. You know, we live on the punishment planet. Everybody thinks, oh, well, somebody committed a crime. They should be punished. My offering is, no, somebody committed a crime. If that crime makes them a danger to society, then they should perhaps be isolated from the society. We call that prison. But not to punish them, rather to protect the society and to bring healing to them. That's the, the original idea of that whole penal system. Mind shifter number four in this section. Decisions lock me into a creation that has already passed and is the only thing that can kill me. Now take some brain cells to unwind this one. My offering is that decisions in the mind are nothing but resonance of content in the mind. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, and then I say, and now what are you thinking about? Most people say, well, I'm thinking about the color of my car. My offering is you weren't thinking about the color of your car, but energy regarding the color of your car moved as a result of resonance. That's not thinking. That's just cycling information in your mind. Truth is, most people said what they thought. They'd be speechless. So the mind is a decision-making device. If I said, what's your favorite food, your mind would serve up a piece of information. Did you think of that? No. My question resonated, your file on favorite foods, and the mind made a decision. That is, it resonated one piece of information to the exclusion of the rest. Decide comes from the same root as suicide or homicide or fratricide. It means to cut off, to kill off. So the mind is a decision-making device. Resonance causes it to send forward information. And that's not thinking. Cycling information in the mind is not thinking. 
my offering is that thinking, my, my best understanding of thinking, is that thinking is the ability to hold love, conscious, active, and present in your mind, whenever something less is moving in you. That's a thinker. And when one can do that, one is automatically healing the thought disorders that are moving within their minds. So to let go of the need to live by the decisions of the mind and to be able to originate something in every moment takes us out of decisions and puts us into choice. If I simply go with decisions then my decisions are a reflection of the past. And the only thing that can kill us are energetic patterns that are based in hostility and fear. And the past, for most people, is just littered with those thought disorders. So this mind shifter gives one an opportunity to begin to let go of the past and to be in a space where one is able to originate at every moment of their lives. Remembering that perception is nothing but a construct of the mind, what if I chose to free myself of perception and therefore the constructs of my mind which are reflections of past energies. That's all perception is. And you go to the Course in Miracles, it says it very powerfully. Perception is a skill made up by us to take the place of what the Creator gave us in creation. Decisions are part of that process. Am I willing to move out of that and to actually become an original thinker? because it's only those energetic patterns based in hostility or fear and the decisions that come from that in the mind that will keep us locked into that thing called death. Number five, believing what my carbon-based memory tells me means that death is on the way. Once again, carbon-based memory, remember we have this storage system called carbon-based memory. It is the physiological ability to hold information from the past and repeat it. If I believe what's gone on in the past, then life is gone from that system. There is no life in the past. There is no future in the past. There's only replicating the past carbon-based memory tells us to do. And so recognizing that my belief in what carbon-based memory has to say fills the space of conscious awareness and doesn't leave room for originality and therefore life. So that's another thought that will resonate and show what's stored in carbon-based memory through resonance that needs to be cleaned up. Sixth mind shifter, and again, if the, uh, this resonates anything for you or question, then please push one, raise your hand, and let's talk about it. And Jeannie, if somebody raises hand, just jump right in and we'll 
we'll see what the caller has to say. So mind shifter number six in this section. And by the way, if you, uh, if you would like, seeing as how we're on the topic of mind shifters and we've explained how to use it, right now we have 21 sections of mind shifters in this, uh, this ever-expanding mind shifter list. And each mind shifter has 13 mind shifters in it, or each section. And so if before the show is over you'd like a mind shifter, and when, when we do the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Workshop, or whenever I do breath work with people, I always invite them to write a Mind Shifter first so that they've got a catalyst to stir things up that they need to clean out of their minds. And the way that I assign Mind Shifters, and it always goes right to the core of what people need to work with, is I simply invite them to select two numbers. So if you'd like, before the show is over, we could call in and give us your two numbers. If you pick a number from 1 to 21, whatever comes to mind, whatever pops first for you, and then a second number from 1 to 13. So you'd end up with two different numbers, and those two different numbers would point you to a particular mind shifter. So if you've got two numbers you want to jot down, then before the show is over, we'll get into and uh, uh, pass out some mind shifters if you're interested. So of the 13 mind shifters in this particular list on death, mind shifter number seven is both fear and hostility are the most important and easiest aspects of death to face and heal. I would offer that life cannot be killed by life Life can only be killed by energies that disintegrate life, that are disintegrative in nature, and that is hostility and fear. So our invitation with this work is literally to disable your mind's ability to even move in circles of energy that are based in any form of hostility or fear. And it's hostility or fear that relative to an energy field designed to incarnate and express love, that create disintegration of that field that we call the body. So this particular mind shifter has in it the recognition that hostility and fear are relatively easy to heal if we're willing to face them, and that those are the energetic patterns that ultimately cause the disintegration of this device designed to express love, that that disintegration that we call death. To number eight, my willingness to face all of my generations of death-producing energies heals death in me. Again, this one, this is a mind shifter that came from a piece of work that I began doing several years ago, where I became cognizant of the cause of death are energies that inhibit the flow of love through our cellular structure. Best definition I've been able to come up with of life is life is love flowing through a cell. Anything we do to inhibit love flowing through a cell is going to cause death. And so we know by the fact that everybody in your bloodline and mine 
that's over 100 is gone already, pretty much. And what is it that you inherited from them that caused them to die? And are you willing to face that in you, those energetic patterns that have inhibited the flow of love through their structures and tends to inhibit, if active, the flow of love through your structure, are you willing to face those energetic patterns and free yourself of them? So this is number eight, my willingness to face all of my generations of death-producing energies heals death in me. Death is healable. Energy systems are not designed to die. Now, I know everybody's bought it and everybody's doing it, so it must be true. I don't believe it's true. Now, I might be mistaken, and you might say, Michael, that's foolish. Okay, you could consider it to be foolish to to entertain that understanding. But here's my offering. If I'm right that facing every energy of death in you will heal you of death, then you've got everything to gain by tapping in and believing that and doing the work required. If I'm in error, so what have you lost? You've gotten rid of hostility and fear. If, if you know, if your lifespan's only going to be 100 or less anyway, well, what, what have you lost by believing that or understanding that you could be eternal? Well, you've lost the capacity for hostility and fear. You've removed the thought, the mind energy of hostility and fear. It seems like you're a winner either way with that one. Number nine, facing and healing all power person issues frees me from the cause of death in me. You know, these generational patterns of hostility or fear that are passed, father to son, mother to daughter. Am I willing to face those power person messages? And, you know, the initial phase of most power person messages almost always includes a thought disorder along the lines of you're broken, there's something wrong with you, You could never be repaired. That's the kind of power person message that is given to the child, even by parents who deeply cherish their children. You know, one of the things that uh, Aria learned from us very easily in hearing us, and if a thought came up that was based in hostility or fear, one of the tools that we use is that of canceling that thought. And Aria she's five, oftentimes will perk up and say, if Jeannie and I come up with a negative thought, we'll say, cancel that thought. And so the idea here is that the automatic power person messages that most people have received, they're almost like, you know, if you imagine a fish swimming in water, is the fish aware of the water? Like it's so much a part of the environment, it's just, part of it. For most people, their power person thought disorder, part of the environment, it's like it's a given, it's assumed, it must be true because this God called my power person gave it to me. And so the invitation here is to recognize that if you are given any messages by your power person, and again, those messages usually start out with something about how you're broken, 
and to heal those thought disorders is going to literally remove the energetic pattern of death from your structure. Number 10. Taking down my walls gives me a chance to heal death through enlightenment. So if I've built any kind of walls against full experience and full expression of myself and others as love, by forgiving us to those walls, by removing those energetic patterns, I'm going to make a space for the presence of love to come into deeper and deeper integration into my cellular structure. Yeshua, and he said, I am the light of the world, speaking of himself. And then he also said, and the only thing he changed was the pronoun, nothing else about that sentence was changed. He said, you are the light of the world. If we are holding thoughts of darkness, thoughts based in hostility or fear or brokenness, then we're stuck in an energetic pattern that does not belong in a human mouth, in a human mind, or in human physiology. It just doesn't belong there. So we're willing to face those patterns and literally remove them. Mind shifter number 11. I was designed by love and have the power when willing to transmute death-producing energies. Now, I've shared many times over the years that the moment at which I was instructed on what the core of healing was, this goes back some 30-some years ago at Heartland in an intensive, and watching someone go through a miraculous healing process and then asking the question, what, why did this person in this space heal the at this moment, everybody else in the room had their stuff, but they didn't all heal. Why did that one heal? And what I was shown in that moment, asking that question, was that all healing requires two things. One, it requires the active presence of love. That is, the presence of a truly human life. And two, the thought disorder that's hidden in physiology, hidden in the unconscious, has to come forward. Two things meet, there is a transmutation of energy. Transmutation simply meaning change, a shift. And so this mind shifter is based in recognizing that the core design of you as a human being is that of love. And part of the power of the presence of that act of love, if I'm willing to look at death-producing energies, is to transmute or to change the quality of those death-producing energies. So again, number 11 is I was designed by love and have the power when willing to transmute death-producing energies. And then on to number 12 on this section on healing death. I am aware of and quickly heal 
all speech and behaviors reflecting thought disorders. So, you know, one of the things we talked about oftentimes over the years is I need to become the thinker apart from the thought, the feeler apart from the feelings, the actor apart from the actions. When I can step back and observe my own mind and physiology and operation, then I can become cognizant of the quality of energy that I'm engaging in. So this particular mind shifter is meant to step into deeper levels of willingness and awareness and recognize that if there is the frequency of speech coming out of my mouth that is indicative indicative of a thought disorder, then I can heal and change that speech and or behaviors that are reflective of thought disorders. And a thought disorder, once again, anything based in hostility or fear relative to an energy field designed for love is a thought disorder. Any mind energy. You know, we go to the opening words in the book of John. It doesn't say in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. It says in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. So if I hold an energy anywhere in my structure that doesn't belong there, when I'm willing to breathe and observe myself, if I observe my speech reflecting the frequency of death, hostility or fear, or behaviors that reflect the energies of death, then by being aware and choosing to breathe and do the forgiveness process, I can heal those thought disorders. I can remove those energetic patterns, which ultimately is going to lead to literally the healing of death. And then, number 13, all thoughts and or emotions reflecting death remind me to connect with my source. So, you know, here we're setting in the mind a reminder that if I do language or engage in something less than love, in that moment is the moment in which I can remember that my source is love and I can connect with that act of present love. So when I recognize that my source is conscious, active, present love, then I have the opportunity to heal by bringing myself back into resonance, back into harmony with that conscious, active, present love. So that's the uh, the mind shifter set on healing death. And we're down to about 15 minutes, so it would be awesome if that's resonated anything for you. If there are any questions or thoughts, push one. Let's have a conversation about it. How can we support you? Does that make sense? That last one, once again, all thoughts and or emotions reflecting death Remind me to connect with my source, conscious, active, present love. The, uh, the sections, as I said, we've got 21 sections of, uh, of mind shifters here are just run the whole gamut of aspects of life that we need to face and deal with as human beings. And so 
Ms. Jean, do we have anybody out there in the phone queue with a hand up? Anything happening in the chat room? No, not at the moment. We don't. We do have another section down, number 615, about healing issues around people dying. Yes. It's totally another set of 13 around that. Oh, we had a hand just now go up. Okay, let's go for it. Ms. Linda, 541, you're on the air. Yes, I would love a mind shifter. And um, since you have been um, uh, aware of the issues that I'm dealing with in relation to my brother's passing, um, if he goes, (laughs) um, can you think of a mind shifter that might be specific for me? Otherwise, I'll just choose. Well, what I usually suggest, again, the best way to key in, because it's, it's not something that, that one figures out, uh, okay. is just, you know, what's the first number that comes to your mind from 1 to 15, or 1 to 21? 7. 7. And then a second number from 1 to 13? 5. So 7, 5, let's see what that is. Seven five is. It's safe for me to invite the darkest. Oh. You know, it, it's always really interesting how picking these numbers just goes right to the core. So this particular <laughs> mind shifter is. It is yes. safe for me to invite the darkest parts of my family history to come to awareness and heal. Okay, I'm going to write that this might be down. one of the biggest yes, that might be one of the biggest gifts you could give to your brother. It is safe for me to invite the darkest okay. parts. Okay. Of my family history. Okay. To come to awareness and heal. And that's, and you know, basically your question was about, you know, healing this generation and the, the, that section is, section seven as you selected it, is on healing generations. It is safe for me to invite the darkest parts of my family history to come to awareness and heal. Um, I wouldn't mind... What's happening with your breath? I was in between. (laughs) Because I just had a thought. I want to pass it by you, and whatever you you choose is fine with me. I would love to be part of everything that you offer, and it is not... um, um, I find it not what I'm being led to do in relationship to my life at this time. And so I was wondering if um, I could choose to be a part of the group um, just on my own when I have a private moment um, to do a mind shifter for myself because I feel pretty comfortable with the process of the mind, uh, not the mind shifter, the still point breathing. Um, would I 
um, be able to access these 21, um, this mind shifter sheets that you're doing, um, maybe with a donation, um, however I could do that, or would that be not possible? Because it wouldn't go well with what you understand yeah. as the process. Um, I, I can offer you a, an in-between. Basically, we've committed to the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Group that this is for their use only. It's it's only shared okay. with them. So I couldn't, in integrity, uh, send it to you. However, anytime you're ready for a Mind Shifter, you're, I, I'm quite happy for you to call and we'll give you your selected numbers at this point. Basically, each month it increases. Like we're up to 21 sections right now. Next month it will be 22. The next month it will be 23. So anytime you want to uh, select a, a pair of numbers and let me know, I'll be happy to, to share that mind shifter with you. But otherwise, it's committed to the mind shifters and still point breathing group. So. That's perfect. And um uh, and I'm perfectly happy if you uh, present that to the group, too, to make sure that everyone in the group is feeling the same way, because I certainly do not want to violate the sanctity of that still point grieving process you're in. Cool, cool. Well, um, again, anytime you've got a pair of numbers, let me know, and we'll pass it on. You can just send me a text, Thank and I'll you. look it up and, uh, and, and send it to you. Thank you, sir. And, and and when you said you were in between, when I asked you about breathing, did that mean that you were holding your breath? I'm not sure. In all honesty, okay. was I in between or holding? I just don't know because a thought popped into my mind. This is a possibility. <clears throat> I have noticed that whenever I'm thinking or whatever that is that I'm doing, that I hold my breath. And I was wondering if that's the the clue that I'm misthinking in light of what you call thinking over here, which I wrote down. Um, so I offer that. Well, Maybe we could explore yeah. that. That would be cool. Yeah. My offering would be what I've what I've noticed over the years. And usually, if if somebody selects the right mind shifter, then they stop breathing because it resonates something you don't want to deal with. So here's my understanding of holding your breath. And that is that the mind functions through every cell in the structure. And the stuff that we don't want to deal with, we have held the breath and shut it down and locked it down into the energy field, lock it down into the body. And so when somebody says, and, and that's usually the response, is, oh, well, I'm just thinking. That's why I'm holding my breath. Well, my interpretation, my understanding of I'm just thinking is I have this safe part of the database that is from the neck up. I've got information stored there that I've already determined is safe for me to look at at any time. If something resonates anything in the rest of the database that's not safe to look at, I shut my breath down, and I'm looking in the safe part of the database. And the holding the breath is the indicator that something wants to move from that deeper level, and inhibiting the breath is shutting it down. That would be my explanation. And also I have two other observations that I might share with you in case you have some insights. 
One is that my default mode is very shallow breathing, and I can breathe deeply uh, when I'm putting my conscious attention on it. Perhaps you can uh, advise me in relation to that. Um, However, the minute my awareness goes away, it goes back to shallow. The other thing that I have noticed Again, well, before we get, let's do one at a time. One at okay. a time. So my my understanding of that is shallow breathing, which most people do, or subventilating means there's lots of stuff in here that I just don't ever want to look at, and so I keep it shut down. Good. And then the other thing I noticed is that, and I observed this while teaching yoga, is that people, the people in my classes, when they discovered they were breath holders, Uh, it seemed to uh, follow two patterns. They either held their breath on the in-breath or they would hold their breath on the out-breath. I'm an in-breath holder. Would you have any um, observations or uh, inspirations about that? Uh, Well, interesting word, inspiration. (laughs) Let's inspire together. Uh, I don't have any insight in that regard. I just... I just notice when people are holding the breath, I've never particularly paid attention to whether it's on the in-breath or the out-breath. Um, in my awareness at this point, it's there's no difference, and there might be a difference that I'm just not aware of. And it's so that's very an interesting inter- observation. Uh, there's very interesting that there's a lot of emphysema in my family, and I believe you were the one that said emphysema is where we can breathe in or... Um, but can't breathe out, or it's asthma, one of the two, because I have uh, possible possibilities for both. Uh, my parents were smokers, and also um, asthma was a definitely is definitely an aspect in my in my disease structure that I'm dealing with. I manage it. No, 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 man. Well, having. Having been a uh, uh, spent much of my life and, and as a kid, having well pretty much every year spent the first two weeks of school in an oxygen tent rather than a schoolroom uh, due to asthma, I, I know that one pretty well. And for me, it was totally and completely emotionally based. And the day I can remember the day that asthma pretty much left me, and that was the day that I got in touch with being belittled by my father and being forced into a corner and sh- and shut down. And that was the resolution real, of asthma for me. Right. One real quick, because I know we're getting, going to be cut off, is that um, a dairy will give me asthma, and my main yes. power person issues are my mother's. So go figure. <laughs> no. Well, and, and dairy is, is a congester. If you look at dairy products, they tend to be, in fact, uh, one of the uh, main features of dairy is it tends to create mucus, which restricts and congests. So that's why people who are, have sensitive lungs will tend to be sensitive to dairy because it creates all kinds of mucus and restriction of uh, a flow of breath in the, in the body. Thank you. 
All right, young lady. Well, we're down to the last few seconds. I'm just going to say thank you, everybody. Thanks for those questions, young lady. And uh, tomorrow, maybe, Jeannie will go into healing issues around people dying section, Dean of the Mind Shifters. In the meantime, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift. Blessings. Bye-bye.